Well, good morning. What an exciting Sunday morning so far. Amen. I want to say good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. Uh, I'm seeing a number of visitors here with us this morning. I don't know what brought you out this way, but we're so excited to have you with us. And we're going to ask that you do us a favor. In the back of the pew in front of you, we want you to take out that visitor's card and, and fill it out. And you can pass that card in to me or to one of our shepherds, or there's a box in the foyer as you exit. Just drop that card in there. We'd love to have a record of your attendance so that we can invite you back out to this church because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. So as you see from the set on stage this morning, we are kicking off Vacation Bible School tomorrow. And uh, before we even begin this morning, I want to say thank you to all of our special volunteers up to this point that have been working so hard, uh, putting together sets, uh, working on administrative work, buying, purchasing food and different items, working on crafts, the list goes on. And for many of you that are going to be serving this week, we want to let you know that we are having a short meeting after service today to talk uh, about some of the things that are going to be happening this week. So if you're volunteering for Vacation Bible School, maybe as a group leader or some kind of uh, uh, instructor for one of the different uh, groups, we want to have you stay with us for a moment and we'll kind of discuss some things that you might need to know uh, as we start this week. Uh, So today you're going to get four sermons. For the price of one, amen, not really. What we're doing is uh, we're going to have four different speakers uh, come up. Uh, I'll introduce us and talk about what we're going to be talking about, and then we'll have uh, Ken DeBose come up, and Don will come up, and uh, Robert will come up, and then I'll kind of conclude us today. But today, if you've been looking at your bulletin, you know that it is Vision Sunday, Vision Sunday. And many of you are asking, well, what is that all about? What does that mean? The first thing that I want to do in thinking about Vision Sunday is get a working definition of the term vision or the word vision and really look at scripture and see what scripture has to say about this idea of vision. So I've got a scripture. It's not on the screen, but it's found in your Bibles and you all know it well. It's in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 29 and verse number 18. Proverbs 29, 18. And I'm going to use two different translations this morning on purpose. The first translation that we're going to look at is the authorized translation of the King James. Amen. The only authorized version. And we look at that version. You know what this passage says, right? Without vision, the people perish, but blessed are those who obey the Lord's command or the law. Without vision, the people perish. Now, don't throw any stones at me this morning, but I'm kind of concerned about that translation just a bit. (gasps) I know. I wonder if this translation might mislead us just a little bit on the author's intent. And you might be saying, well, Jason, where are you going with this? Now, I'm a good Church of Christ boy. Grew up on the King James Version. And if you hear me quote scripture, it's usually in King James. Amen. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Go ye therefore and baptize all nations. Right. So but I wonder if this King James translation kind of takes us in a place where the author might not have wanted us to go. Right. So bear with me. We know the book of Proverbs was written by who? Who was Proverbs written by? 
Solomon, right? And we know that Solomon was the son of King David. And the story goes that as Solomon was taking over the kingship, the Lord said to Solomon, Solomon, you can have whatever you want. What is it that you want? You remember Solomon's reply, Lord, give me wisdom. And as we look at his reply, it's powerful because he recorded some of his wisdom writings. And here we look at this text in Proverbs. It's a writing that means so much to us. But I wonder if the King James translation that we all know and love may be taking us in a direction that the author may have not wanted us to go. Now let's look at the new international version. <gasps> I know, right? And let's look at what the NIV says in this very same verse. Proverbs 29 and verse number 18, where there is no revelation. Is that what your Bible says? The people cast off restraint. Huh. Now, as we study this text, we might be saying, it's obviously saying the same thing, right? But as I read the pages of the scripture, and as I look at this uh, version versus the other version, my mind goes somewhere else, right? When we think about the modern-day definition of vision, we use it for everything, don't we? We have a vision and mission statement at our company. We have a personal vision and mission statement for our families. We have a vision and mission statement for the church. And what it sounds to me, if we use that definition in that way of thinking about vision, it's really self-centered and self-focused and self-originated meaning we construct it and we build it ourselves. But as we look at this translation, we see the word revelation. And when you think of the word revelation, what does that mean to you? Automatically, my mind goes to the thought process of prophecy, right? And in order to have prophecy, you have to have a prophet, and in order to have a prophet, the prophet has to speak the words that the Lord has delivered to the prophet. And scripture says if he doesn't do that, he is a false prophet. You see, the prophet doesn't speak from his own thoughts. God has given him what to say. I want to make this clear this morning. The church already has a vision. And it's one that the great prophet Jesus Christ already gave us. And you know what that vision is? Go ye therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey the commands that I have taught you. So let me make it very clear. We already have a vision, and it's one that the Lord has given us very long time ago. Now, what the job is of our shepherds and of our leadership team is to figure out is, is how to execute that plan. And that's really what our shepherds are going to be talking about this morning. How do we execute the plan of the Great Commission of baptizing and making disciples? And that's an exciting thing to think about. Now, I think the author here, when he was writing this, was speaking to the idea of people who don't follow the Lord. So keep that in mind as you think about what this text means. Really what Solomon was saying is those that don't follow the laws of the Lord don't have restraint. And it reminds me of what the scripture says in Genesis. There was a time where people didn't obey and they were doing anything and everything that they thought that was right in their hearts. 
And that's the correct interpretation of this text. So as we talk about vision this morning, we're not creating a vision because the Lord has already given us one. But this morning we're going to talk about execution. And I'm so excited to hear the plans that the Lord has put on the hearts of our shepherds here this morning. So without further ado, Brother Ken, come on up. We could just say amen and go home, couldn't we? Yeah, I'm tempted. Anyway, Jason, thank you for those words. That was awesome. Um, before we became elders uh, last November, December, most of us that were considering serve, serving in that capacity uh, met together furiously to think and to pray and what would this look like and do we want to do it? And, and, and uh, I remember the day that... Uh, that we were appointed, a bunch of you came up to me and said, you know, congratulations, we are so excited. We're, we're looking for great things from you. And I said, only if you help us, otherwise it's going to be a sad day, right? And, uh, you know, I think Scripture says two significant things about a partnership between elders and a congregation. And the first thing it says is that elders must be easily approachable. And that's something that we try to do is have an open door policy and, 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 and we're open to input and, and, uh, and, and to hearing from you. We've been out visiting you guys in your home. Uh, you know, we, we, it's kind of interesting that when we go to visit someone's home, is, is there a problem? No, there's no problem. We just want to come get to know you better, right? And, and uh, we've gotten some great input. So, you know, we really are trying to follow that model of being easily uh, approachable. But Scripture also says, also says in Hebrews 13 to obey your leaders. And if you dig down into the Greek, it also carries with it the idea of being easily persuadable. So if you have an eldership that's easily approachable and you have a membership that's easily persuadable, then you can get some great things done. You can have that execution that Jason was talking about. So we want to talk a little bit this morning about our vision for growing the Church of Christ here at Mission Viejo. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So no surprise here today. This has all been in God's mind all along, and I think that we just have to plug into what he wants. And Listen, I think we'd all agree we want to see our church grow, right? Let me try it again. Right? Amen. Come on, be easily persuadable. There you go. A greater sense of connectedness with each other. A sense of really knowing each other beyond just on Sunday. Fellowship. I'd like to see this building full, wouldn't you? Seeing all of us grow in our faith and our giftedness. Seeing people hear and obey the gospel in baptism. And the question is this, is how? Now I saw this cartoon and about church growth and it says, besides calling every Sunday Easter, does anyone else have ideas for improving church attendance? You know, the good news is, is I see congregations many times come up with all kinds of programs. Jason's right. We already have the plan. And, and, and Jesus, through inspiration of the Holy Spirit in which Paul wrote, the plan for church growth is found in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Now, I've got to be honest with you about something. I, I'm a good Church of Christ boy myself, you know, like about sixth or seventh generation. Grateful for that, you know, that... Uh, background that I've been blessed with. 
But I've never seen a congregation ever seriously tear into this passage and say, by faith, we're going to obey God's word and trust him for the results. And we're committed as a leadership to use this as our model and to follow it. And it says that Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, which we have today still, it's in scripture, it's in the written word. And the living benefactors uh, of that today are the pastors, the teachers, and the evangelists. And he gave those people as gifts to the church so that they could equip his people to do works of service. We were saved in Christ Jesus to do works of service that we read earlier so that the body of Christ might be built up so that until we reach the unity and the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become and ever respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, that's you and me, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So many times I see people say, you know, I, I just don't have a part to play. I, I, I've got a newsflash for all of us today. There are no ungifted people in God's kingdom. Every single person has been gifted and we cannot grow as a church without your unique giftedness that God has given you. Each part must do, must do its work. So let's begin with the end in mind. Speaking the truth in love will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. And that happens as each part builds itself up in love. You know, listen, in the, in the next 12 months, I think this is exactly like we'd like the, the Church of Christ at Mission Viejo to look like. We'd like for it to be loving. We'd like for it to be mature. We'd like for it to grow. We'd like for it to be working. But the truth of the matter is, is that we have to understand God's blueprint for growth. And he gave himself, and I think it's interesting the language he uses, he gave, he himself gave. The emphasis is that this is his plan and it's not ours. This is Christ's plan for growing the church. And I want you to notice that word himself. And I just want us to say that, that as a leadership, that we're going to trust God's word and we're going to act on it. And we're going to ask you to join us and to help us fulfill Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. I am totally convinced that if we honor God and we do what he says, he'll do, he'll do what he says. Would you agree? So he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, which are another word for elders, and teachers. And it begins with specific, coordinated leadership roles with the evangelists, the elders, and the teachers working in conjunction to make this happen. And listen, aren't we grateful that we have Jason here to be with us? I believe he's the man God sent to us. I really do. I thought it was going to be someone else. I was the guy that the elders was not an elder at the time. They asked me to go out and, hey, let's find a new preacher. We interviewed a lot of people. I thought we had a guy. And the guy, week he was coming out, he canceled. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. But you see, God, God knows what he's doing. And he brought us, Jason, I believe, to proclaim and equip 
the members with the big picture. And I think he's doing a great job. Elders guide, protect, equip the members through the process. Protect. You know, one day, and this gives me great pause to be honest with you, that one day I'll have to give an answer for every one of you. Help me out. Help me to help you. <laughs> Teachers, equipping, mentoring. You know, when we did the leadership or, or the uh, giftedness survey, a lot of you came back with the gift of teaching. But you may think, I, I'm not that good at it yet. Well, you know what? We'll put you with one who is and, and let you learn that skill. And that in every way that you need to grow in whatever gift you have, we will run alongside you and fight alongside you until you're strong enough to do it by yourself. That's the idea of this blueprint. And so if we want growth, which is being built up, if we want unity, if we want maturity, if we want Christ-likeness, that only happens as we are equipped to serve. If you notice there, it says there that, that he, we were designed, these teachers, the, the elders, the evangelists, are designed to function so that the body of Christ may be, be built up. It only happens as we equip people. So what does this look like? What does this equipment look like? We need to discover everybody's giftedness. Now, many of you have completed the giftedness survey. And the one Sunday that Jason said, if you haven't done that, see Ken or, or Don and get, get that. And about 40 of you took it. And we're going to return it to me the next Sunday. And it's next Sunday. So, <laughs> so let, me just, let me just encourage you. If you haven't done that, get that completed. It will be eye-opening for you. We don't know how to help equip you to use your giftedness if we don't know what that is. So we need everybody to finish completing that. And for those of you who have done it, thank you so much. So we need to use our giftedness so we know what to do. We need to match giftedness with ministry. But we'll talk about doing first things first in a moment. We need to mentor and train our members. Jesus chose 12 that they might be with him. And, you know, in the whole first year of his ministry, that's all they did. If you just go back and look at it chronologically. They just hung out with him. He said, follow me. And that's what they did. And the second year, he began to do some little things like my grandson, you know, coming out of Bible class with a little cottontail paste it onto the rabbit, you know, and go, Grandpa, look. And I go, great job. That's kind of what Jesus did with them, you know. It was the third year they started doing significant things. It was the fourth and the fifth year, but it all began with this idea of mentoring and uh, them following Christ. We want to match giftedness with ministry. And Calvin Coolidge once said, you can't do everything at once, but you can do something at once. You know, we have, we have a certain number of people here, and, and let me ask a question. I think a life is a lot of how you choose to look at it. Would you agree? You could look at us and say, we're not as big as we need to be. Or you could say, you could look at it this way. If today was the first day and we were, and this was a brand new church plant, and we were starting church today at this congregation with the number of people that we have here today, with the giftedness levels that, that, that are so apparent, how excited would we be? Listen, guys, we've got a reason to be excited. If God can turn the world upside down and really right side up, if you really want to know the truth, with 12 guys, what could he do with us, right? And so we can get started. So what are our immediate needs? What are the first things that need doing? 
One of our elders said, we have a lot of people visit here. Do you know on the average we have three visitors a week? Why don't they come back? I did some research on that. I know. We're going to fix that. It's going to be exciting. We've got to make sure that we have the very best Bible education program uh, that's available here in Orange County, which includes our preaching and our Bible class teachers and curriculum. And we've got to grow as a church. We've got to get back to who we are as a people. Let's look at each one of these real quickly. So with our visitors ministry, so the question was, why don't they come back? Here it is. 90% of guests will return to a church if somebody follows up with them on the uh, first day. I just want to get down to the bottom and just let you know that I'm referencing Tony Morgan, who heads up uh, a ministry that does nothing but study the phenomenon of church visitors. That's all he does. It's very interesting. 90% will return to church if somebody follows up with them on the same day that they attended. And that percentage drops to 60% if they come and we say, glad you were here, and that was the end of it. And also, it's not up here on the board, but 2% will eventually become members, doing the process that we've always done. In my company, if we had those kind of results, they would fire me, and rightly so. 10% of first-time visitors will become regular attendees. Here's the upside. The likelihood of a first-time guest becoming a member increases to 50% if they get contacted that first day, if they get set with in church, if they get invited out to lunch, if they get invited to a midweek study, 50% of those will become members um, through that process. And we're going to have a ministry for that. Bill DeRoe. Bill, are you here? Bill, why don't you stand up for a second? I won't embarrass Bill. Thank you. Bill has agreed to head up that ministry and, 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 and to implement that so that we can properly treat the visitors that come through here and we, can, and we can do the things that God would call us to do. Thank you, Bill, for doing that. A lot of you have the gift of hospitality. I've got your survey forms, I know. And we're going to call on some of you to help with that, uh, with that uh, ministry. So what should it look like? Well, we've got to make a positive first impression. We have to have a measurable follow-up program. We've got to communicate with them and follow up within 24 hours. And if we do that, we'll have a lot of people that will stay with us. Secondly, a teaching plan ministry that meets the needs of every member, especially young families. I think people will come and look at us. Now, look, the truth is, in South Orange County, we're the only Church of Christ of, of, of really any size, right? We are, okay? And, and we're the only one in South Orange County that has any type of kids program, but it needs to be improved. So we have somebody, though we haven't finalized that with this individual yet, who is going to help coordinate our, uh, our teaching plan ministry with teachers that have the gift of teaching. There's a, bun there's a bunch of you that have the gift of teaching in, in, in those surveys. With an elder-approved curriculum that's going to be coordinated through all age groups. And, we want to, and I want to just say, I want to say this before I go any further here, in a reasonable rotation schedule. I think the reason sometimes people don't want to teach is they, they, they're there from the time they're 20 years old to they're 60 and they never get to ever come to church again. And, 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 and we want to make sure we have a reasonable rotation schedule so we're not trapped in that forever, okay? And, uh, and, but, uh, but something you can look forward to serving if, if that's your giftedness. 
Now, I want to say it's not going to all be fixed by next week. None of this will be. Guys, I have to be honest with you. As I was saying to my fellow elders, this is going to be hard work. And this is going to take effort. And there'll be starts and there'll be stops. But if we will do what God says and we will equip people to teach and we will do the things that we know we need to do, I believe we can have the finest education program uh, of any church in Orange County. And then the third thing that we need to do as far as our first things are concerned is we need to share the good news with others. We'll talk about having bring a friend day, reaching out to our visitors. There's a preschool next door and our studies show 50% of those parents that take their kids to the preschool are unchurched. We should be reaching out to those people. They visit our campus five days a week, wouldn't you agree? There's going, to be, there's going to be ways that you as members can plug in and interface with those families and invite them over to church and get to know them. And I think that could be a significant part of our outreach ministry. World Bible School. Now, I have to tell you, we have a, a couple here that have been so faithful in that area over the years. Would you guys just stand up for a second so I can embarrass you? Yes, there you go. Gary, okay, Lisa, thank you have encouraged us to be involved in World Bible School. It was a little bit hard to do in, in, in previous years because you have to mail stuff out and get stuff mailed back, grade the deal. It's all online now. It's really, really easy. I've got two studies going right now with two guys in Africa. Back when we were doing our church search for a preacher, we had two African guys reach out and apply for the job. You know, they're uh, not, not even Church of Christ guys, but we'd like to come be your preacher. And I've maintained a friendship with these guys and uh, have studies going with them right now. See what God does with that, but it's kind of exciting. But did you know that if you have a next-door neighbor that doesn't want to come visit church right now, you can set them up with an online Bible study, and you guys can be communicating back and forth and do that study here. This could be one of the greatest tools for local evangelism that you've ever seen, and it's something we can all do. And you don't have to be able to quote one word of the Bible. It just grades it for you. You just have to be willing to be a facilitator. That's a great opportunity. And lastly, let me just say that isn't it true that every one of us knows somebody in our life that needs to have a Bible study? Let me try it again. Isn't it true that every one of us in our lives knows somebody that needs to have a Bible study? Yes or yes? Yeah. And, and, and the truth is, is that I think the reason that we don't do that is because we don't know what to do. I mean, there's many times we want to go to the neighbor's door and go, and we start to knock on it and we go, go back home because I don't know what to do. Guess what I do? Don does. The other elders know what to say. Ed does. Jason does. A lot of you here know, know how to share that. And we'll be happy at the drop of a hat to help you share the good news. We'll drop the hat. I, I mean, listen, we'll help you do that. And so we'll just let you know that if you have a Bible study, set it up. Create the problem. We'll help you with the solution, I promise. And this is what we're called to be as a church. Jesus came to them and says, All authority has been in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, make disciples of all nations baptized in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. And God's intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God be made known. Okay? This is what we're called to be as a church, and it's time we got back to our DNA. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, we need to grow this church. Now, I was tempted originally to put up here that between now and the end of the year, I'd like to see 50 baptisms. 
That'd be cool. But I thought, well, that's arrogant because that's not my job. Acts 2, verse 47, God adds to the church day by day those who are being saved. You know, Paul's, you know, I planted Apollos water. God gave the increase. It's not my job, but my job is to go tell somebody, right? Yeah, or to facilitate the telling of somebody. So here's what I want to challenge us to do. But between now and the end of this year, we want to challenge this congregation to have 50 Bible studies going and let God take care of the results. How does that sound? And guys, you can do that. Step out on faith. And, and I'm going to give you an example why that's worthwhile here in just a second. So we're going to have, to help start out with our evangelism outreach program, Bring a Friend Day on Sunday, July 26th. Here's what we know statistically from the studies that have been done. The Unchurched Next Door by Dr. Tom uh, Rainier said that only 2% of members in their lifetime ever invite an unchurched person to come to church. 2%. However, 82% of the unchurched would be happy to attend if they were just invited, especially by a friend or a relative. Listen, it's undeniable. People will come if you, inv if you will build it. They will come. Right? All right. And so... With that in mind, I, I, but you may not know how to invite somebody. So I've got a video here for you that I think will give some very practical uh, ideas on how you can invite your friends and neighbors and relatives to come visit on our Friends Day. So let's watch this and see if we can learn something. church with me? Oh, come on, Mrs. Edwards, you'll like my church. We have some hot music. It may not be what you're bumping at all, but it's hot. We get down. What do you say, Mrs. Edwards? Oh, uh, I suppose. I've heard it said that 80% of first-time church visitors come because someone personally invited them. All people need to feel loved and wanted. And for some people, it just takes having someone offer to give them a ride to church. We have something great going on at this church. People's lives are being transformed by God's love. Your homework this week is to find at least one person who could use a little more of that love and invite them to come with you next week. Trust me, it's worth the extra effort. Mrs. Edwards, you want to listen to some music on the way? Go ahead, your choice. <laughs> Okay, so guys, you know, the question, I want to ask two questions before I bring Don up to talk a little bit about some other things that we need to be aware of. But, you know, the question I've got for us, if, 
If it's not going to be us who does this, then, then who? And if it's not now, when? Listen, I, we're inviting you to join us on this journey. We're inviting you to be easily persuadable because we're easily approachable. And we want to see this church grow. How about you? Yeah, guys, we can do this together. God can do great things through us. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think according to his power that works within us, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. And, and, and I think many times we, God doesn't do great things through us because we don't think and we don't ask. And today we're starting to think and we're starting to ask and we're going to trust him for the results. Don? Thank you, Ken. Well, I've been up here a couple of times just to kind of uh, update you on some of the, the financial um, uh, status of the church and kind of the things that we've been doing. And so I just wanted to uh, give you some more information on that. And, and uh, did you know that one of the gifts is giving? And many of you are, are very generous, and I know that's an area that, that we all can grow in. So I just wanted to share some information with you on that. So. Uh, like I said, we, we've, uh, we challenged the church before to, to look at their giving, and we, we know we've faced some financial challenges, and I just wanted to let you know that we've reduced our expenses uh, by over $5,100 a month uh, by doing some things uh, in terms of uh, the landscaping services, cleaning, uh, some of the live streaming and digital subscriptions, uh, some, some support uh, that we were doing with South County Outreach and probably the most significantly, many of you know, the, uh, the staff support that we have uh, for uh, the Spanish group and in particular the Uskangas. And please remember to keep them in, in your prayers as, uh, as uh, this, was a, this was a big financial uh, hit to them. So, uh, but unfortunately it was necessary. Uh, so just, just remember to, uh, to remember them. So in terms of... Uh, the weekly contributions, many of you have asked, what do we need? Uh, well, right now we need $6,200 a week uh, as our average in, in order to uh, sustain uh, the expenses that we have. And that, and that is dependent upon some income sources that we have from rental income from the school and from cell towers and things like that. Right now our average weekly contribution is $6,100. So we're very close and we're, we're, for all intents and purposes, we're there. Uh, so, so you guys are supporting the church, and that's great. But, but there's still uh, we want to we want to challenge you. So, so the financial vision that we have is still the same as what what I had talked about uh, a few months ago, is that we would like to get to the point where we no longer have to depend on any outside sources of income. That the church supports the church, and so without rental income, our our need would be nine hundred or nine thousand nine hundred. Uh, dollars a week and and that sounds like a lot but just to put it in perspective we're almost 63 percent of the way there right now 37 percent is really what we're looking at and you know the way that we're going to do that obviously is through growth i mean we need to grow this church we need to have more members here that are able to uh with the gift of of giving it to financially support this church and anything that you're able to do we need you to take a look at at where, where, your fund, where your finances are, how you can best support the church. And this will come through a lot of the things that Ken talked about, through our outreach program, to our visitors, through a stronger class program to get and keep 
uh, members here and through the evangelism that, that we want to do. And then just uh, another piece, uh, some helpful tools. Um, we live in the 21st century now, so one of the things we're going to do is adopt an online giving program. Many churches do this. Um, and it's kind of funny, uh, like it or not, you know, checkbooks are really becoming a thing of the past. And if you're under 30, you may even say, what's a checkbook? Uh, and most people, or a lot of people have said the only reason they have a checkbook is because they, they put a check in the basket on Sunday at church and then they pay all their other bills online. And that's true, I know that's one of the things that we do. And, and we've even gone to a electronic fund transfer uh, for our contribution. But this will provide another way for you to, to give to the church and make it very easy, especially if you're, you're out of town. Uh, we know that on any given Sunday, about 20% of our members are, are not here because they're, they're either working or they're out of town. Uh, there's an illness, there's something going on where they're just not physically able to be here. But what we wanna do is create a way to uh, make it very easy for your contributions to be uh, to be made on, on a weekly basis. We depend on those, we need those. Those are part of, of what we, uh, we are asking you to do is to, to be faithful in that, that aspect of your, uh, of your uh, life in, in terms of giving to the church. So just wanted to give you that update and uh, bring up uh, Robert. So speaking of growth, what we would like to do is to grow, but grow naturally. And one of the best ways that all other churches are doing is through the relationships, through each one of us being involved with church. I don't know how many of you have been attending classes with our brother Ed Bush. Who was here this morning for his class. Okay, great, great class. And I will repeat what he said, some of, some of the points. Do you know the love of God? Are you thankful for his love toward you? And are you willing to share that with others? And then the next question was, are you involved in missions? And they said in, during the video, oh, by the way, that doesn't mean that your church is involved in missions. You give a check and somebody else is doing the work. But are you personally doing the work, sharing the love of God with your neighbors, your friends, and so on? That's the question. And then he gave us a point that really touched me because I don't have a good memory. He said that he went to a training class. And during the training class, they were, after a few hours of being together, they were asked to go to the person that they did not know their name and tell them, I am sorry, I don't care enough about you to know your name. And I would like to apologize to some of you because <laughs> I don't know your name. I think that's my memory, though. As my kids, sometimes I confuse their names, too. <laughs> so connect groups is a way to get together, to know each other better deeply. Scripture, Hebrews 10, 24, 25. 
And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some, of, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. So that's the main purpose. The main goal is to encourage each one of us to get to know each other better. Because if you know each other, you can help each other, you can love each other, you grow. How we plan to do that? Traditional, it's hard to see this, but these are the, the posters that our sister Charlotte created from the survey that we took from all of you, what you like, what you like to be involved with. And these are the traditional groups that we have, small groups, men's, women's, Bible studies, and so on. What we want to do is just expand a little bit. If you go back to the previous slide, you'll notice that we have, in that graph, we have Sunday and we have the traditional groups that we always have. Well, what we want to do is just go a little bit beyond that, and that's what we're going to talk about next. Groups such, such as talk about business and technology, groups that talk about art and music, groups that talk about sports and health and fitness, and so forth. So what are connect groups? Connect groups are formed around shared interests, hobbies, and talents to create and strengthen relationships across all ages within our church family. First thing to notice, we are not separating the families. If you want to participate with your whole family, you will be able to do that. Usually consists of five to 12 people hanging out for one to two hours, either weekly or monthly or however you choose. We're in Southern California, busy, some of us have two jobs and so forth. We hardly see each other, hardly see your family. Well, this is gonna be an opportunity for you to have a point of contact to get together with your neighbors, your family, and so on. And we want to, you to invite your friends and have fun. What are the, what's the main purpose of these connect groups? To build deep and authentic relationships through care, encouragement, and praying for each other. So first, you're connecting. Second, be in a safe and comfortable environment to learn more about God, ask questions, and grow. You're gonna grow in relationships and you're gonna grow spiritually too. And last, the opportunity for people to help and serve the community as God leads you. That's, in a nutshell, what Connect Groups is all about. We took the survey, and some of you already signed up. I have the sign-up sheets here with me. Some of you signed up that you would like to contemplate art, I guess. Like some people say, art is in the eye of the beholder, or is it beauty, or, or beauty is art, or art is beauty, or whichever you want to put it. Well, some of you are kind of quiet, type of temperament, type of personality, so maybe this is for you. It's not for me, but it might be for you. We want you to join these groups. I have the list. If you want to join, call me. How about music? You like music, either listening or singing or dancing? Well, let us know. We're going to have that for you, too. Those of, those of you who are younger, probably it's going to be your, your group. How about technology? We have gurus about technology with us. Uh, in, in fact, yesterday I was learning about Dropbox. I've been working with that for a long time, but 
didn't hear about that one until last night. So I know a little bit more about technology now. So great. My kids are the experts on technology. About photography. Kurt Dugan, where are you? He has a GoPro camera. And he sent me this great video. And it's not, today is not about you being the best, what you call it, photographer or cinematographer. It's just about editing those videos in very short, right? Like a minute or less than a minute. You gotta become an expert of cutting stuff out. That's the new thing. Well, I tell you, we have an expert here. We have other people who will be interested. My daughter, Sophia, she went to Pepperdine. Guess what she studied? Photography and film. Well, when she comes back from missions, that will be one of the groups I'm going to suggest for her. Cooking. Who likes cooking? Anybody? Okay. Who likes eating? <laughs> All, right. All right. So those of you who raise their hand and like cooking, invite us. Those of us who like eating and we have a great relationship there. Sports. Let me tell you how I became a Christian. In 1980, I was 20 years old, so now you know my age. I came to the United States, and I felt lonely. One day, I met a friend back from El Salvador. His name is Herman. We're still friends. He's in Canada. And uh, he says, uh, hey, he knows that I play basketball for my varsity. So he said, hey, let's go play basketball next week. And I did. After the game on a Saturday, this is, this is how he did evangelism. He says, hey, what are you doing tomorrow morning? I said, nothing. He says, I'll pick you up. We'll go to church. I said, okay. <laughs> That's it. That's it. So... I don't think they had these techniques at that time. This is 1980. But that's it, friendships. That's all you need. Reading, for those of you who are the quiet type of person, you don't like relationships. <laughs> I meant to say you don't like to talk and get in those conversations. I like reading. Here you have these people who Hey, you could be in a group and not talk to each other at all. <laughs> Isn't that great? So we have groups for everybody, all types of personality. Doesn't matter who you are, what you like. If, if it's not there, let's make up one. Okay? And uh, we'll have uh, maybe one about sleeping. I like sleeping. So that could be my group too. Oh, by the way, do not join too many groups. We don't want to, you to be going crazy either. Start slowly, maybe one or two groups. If your family wants to join, great. If not, you do it by yourselves. Anybody likes running? We're going to have a great time running. Um, I, I love running. So that's all. That's all it is. It is about getting connected, loving everybody else. I would like to read to you. Uh, yesterday, I went to the Celebration of Life for Nana's, Lizzie's grandma, and I think she's speaking to us from heaven. She wrote this. This card entitles you to one free hug. A hug is something nice to give. It heals and ceases, ceases pain. A hug can cheer, show love, forgive, 
It even removes shame. A hug is something you can do. It helps a hurting friend. A hug says you are okay. So let us start a trend. This card entitles you to one free hug. You may keep the card, but please return the hug. I need one. That's all it is. It's just to be authentic, be friends with everybody. Jason. Well, I want to say thank you this morning for your attentiveness and uh, a special thank you to our shepherds this morning uh, for uh, talking about the implementation of, of God's vision uh, for the church here. Uh, if there was a quote that I could leave you with, it would be this. Uh, so if you're taking notes, it's a good one. Uh, growth equals change. Change equals loss. And loss equals pain. So if we want to grow, we have to think through those steps. We know that growth is difficult and it's painful and it's hard. Um, just ask anybody who's worked on this VBS set, hey man, it's pretty tough, but we got it done. Uh, so we're asking everyone to come alongside this vision and to help. If you're not a member of the Church of Christ, I want to say this real quick uh, before you leave. The thing that's uh, authentically different about many churches of Christ and other local churches is that we are not a senior pastor-led church, okay? So I know many of you are new uh, to our fellowship. Uh, I am not in charge, okay? I know a lot of people get confused and they think I'm in charge here. But we have a leadership team that consists of six shepherds. And they allow me to throw in some suggestions from time to time. And sometimes they say, that was really stupid. Other times they say, that was really good. But we all work together to try to move uh, God's vision for the community here uh, together. And uh, we appreciate your willingness to support and come alongside uh, so pray for our shepherds, pray for our team. Uh, this morning, uh, if you have any needs, we offer a song of invitation. Ed is going to come up and lead us in a song. If there is anyone here that wants to be more involved or get more invested in the work here and you've kind of been sitting on the sidelines, we'd love to have you come forward. We'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. This morning, if you're not a Christian, we have a baptistry ready. We'll, we'll have to lift up the, the screen in the back, but we'll make it happen. Amen. If you want to be baptized this morning, we want to give you that opportunity to become a Christian. You can be baptized in water, have your sins and iniquities washed away. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit and add it to this wonderful congregation here. We'd love to have you a part of that process.